0: Welcome everyone. Uh, my name is John Petrie. I am the author of the episode that was released last week called The Earth Will Quake. And I have the two wonderful actors who played creepy twins here. Uh, I have uh, Scott who who is Nicky. Hello. And Eric Ransom, was Nick. Hello. Welcome, welcome. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, thank thank you, you for having us. us. Of course. Um, so, I actually want to do this a little backwards because I did a tiny bit of internet stalking. I'm really terrible at it because I don't actually have any form of social media beyond a Twitter that I checked like once a month or so. Uh-huh. So, I didn't do like that deep dive stalker thing. But, um, so, Scott, I know that you're a producer, and Eric, I know that you're a writer. So, I actually want to ask, start with a, a strange question um, more out of my curiosity than anything else. So, Eric, Yes. Um, because this is an argument that I have with Kelly all the time, because Kelly will ask me a question. And I'm like, I just wrote it. It's yours now. You can do whatever you want with it. Uh-huh. Are you are you one of those writers who's like, you know what? I want to be involved. It's still my baby. I'm still dealing with it. Or are you like, you know what? It's it's out of my hands. I've done what I can. I did the revisions. You have the version that we're going with.
1: Um, by and large, I am the second one. Um, though it it varies a little from project to project, um, mostly working in live theater, I'm very much on the side of, I did my job, it's yours now, um, outside of obviously the developmental process. but But by and large, the thing I love about writing theater is how collaborative it is and how I can be surprised by something that I wrote. And, you know, like an actor's interpretation, a director's interpretation, a set designer's interpretation um, can be something that surprises me. And I like that. And a lot of times I will um, specifically, (laughs) be specifically unspecific in in things like that where I feel like the rehearsal process is in some cases a better place for those things, those ideas to develop than me sitting alone in my basement coming up with a nascent idea.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Scott, as a producer, Do you, how involved do you want the writer to be? Am I, am I I, opening up a can of worms with that one? No,
2: no, 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 not at all. I actually, um, I really like, again, the collaborative process. I, you know, you want to honor the writer's intention when you're, when you're putting something together. Um, I mean, this project specifically, I was like, I I want, I have so many questions to ask you because I'm like, what, (laughs) what is, what are your ideas behind this? so no i I really like working closely with the writer. I think it should be a really collaborative process
0: okay good i I always try to never get in an actor's way. I always assume that the actor's like, "Please stop talking to
1: me <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah i I was an actor first, so I'm uh very cautious in that regard about like what hat I'm wearing because I have you know acted and things I've written and that kind of thing. but you know, if I have any notes. I always direct those at the director and, you know, I don't, unless someone specifically asks me and it's like permission is given, I don't, you know, engage with directors in a notes kind of way.
0: Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's generally how I feel. And I think sometimes Kelly is like, just answer the damn question. (laughs) Um, So uh, this is a really creepy and weird and um, kind of awkward episode. Uh, If you've listened (laughs) to it, you know, um, but I just want to say you guys were amazing and wonderful. Thank you. Oh,
2: thank you very much. The material uh, helped
0: a lot with that, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, why are twins so creepy? <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. If anyone's listening and you're a twin, I don't mean that you're creepy. Why do we automatically associate in a media sense, in a larger sense, twins as creepy? That's I wonder. Really if-
1: interesting. I wonder if it's a little of like the uncanny valley kind of part of the brain that responds that way where we're seeing like, especially seeing in person two people who look essentially identical is I guess kind of jarring in that same way that the uncanny valley is not that twins aren't human, (laughs) (laughs) but I just, it's, it's something you don't usually see. And I don't know.
2: Well, I also to add to that, I always feel like there's this connection between twins. That's um, like this unspoken thing. You hear stories when one feels pain, the other feels pain. And I think there's something really kind of odd and interesting about that.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I sort of blame Stephen King in a, in a good way. Sure. <laughs> um,
1: that's the always... first thing I thought of when
0: you mentioned that. <laughs> well, actually in the, in the, I think, this was the one, this was the um, script that changed the most from the idea in my brain to actually getting it on paper. And originally, they were supposed to be much younger. They were supposed to be like seven, eight years old. Mm. And then, as I kept going, I was like, "Okay, that can't." <laughs> there's too much involved here. That yeah, yeah. It's just strange on every level. So we're not we're not going to do that. Um, uh, I guess my my next question would be, um, this was, this was kind of a difficult thing for me to write because I sort of kept feeling like I was blaming. I feel, I always felt like people were going to be blaming the mother for everything. And yet I was sort of like, I'm kind of on her side. I think that there's this, this idea that we have that, um, you know, mothers are lionesses and they always protect their children and they always love their children more than anything. And that's, uh, you know, I'm not a mom. I'm not a female. I don't identify as female. Um, So I don't know if it's one of those things where I'm just reading too much into it. But why do we assume that um, mothers are always going to be maternal?
1: Well, let me start by saying this question leads me into one of, like, the biggest connections I draw from this piece, which is Medea. Um, it mm-hmm. very much, like, uh, reading it, performing it, and listening back to it again, it it reminded me uh, how much it feels like a sort of take on Medea from the perspective of the children, which I think is a really awesome idea. Um, but... Medea is also, like, in productions I've seen, um, there's the the Robinson-Jeffers uh, version that was, um, uh, you know, based on the Euripides. Like, even though she's awful, even, even even though she's so enraged, you find yourself, at least I find myself as, as an audience member with how beautifully written it is, siding with her. Like, her rage feels, like, justified in its way, even though, like, you know... It, uh, that's me, you know, watching it as a play, as a piece of theater. Obviously if that happens in real life, it's, it's awful and, and whatever, but like, that's, you know, I think the, the beauty of, of, of theater, of uh, audio theater, of, of um, this art form. So, so yeah, I, I, I don't think um, I don't think all, you know, mothers are motherly obviously, <laughs> And, um, uh, I think it's interesting to explore, uh, breaking away from that assumption.
2: You
0: got to respect her. She was playing the long game, (laughs) the long game. Um, so actually, uh, and this is again, one of those things where I, I specifically didn't want to say, but it actually was Medea from the children's perspective. That was actually the idea going into it. Um, I, uh, if you've ever read Caleb Carr, The Alienist. No. uh, So uh, excellent book. I would highly recommend it. I'm just going to throw a book club thing in there. Um, Pretty slow up until about page 75. And then after page 75, you just can't stop reading it. But he did a sequel to it called Angel of Darkness, which Mm. the whole story was kind of based on a woman who kept killing her children. Uh Um, And at the same time, uh, to get really geeky. Uh, I was reading, rereading a, a Wonder Woman graphic novel by Greg Rucca, and there's a line in there where she's talking about tragedy, and she says, all tragedy starts with purity, whether it's an intent or emotion, but all tragedies end the same way. Um, and it all kind of got wrapped up in my brain, which that might be the only time you ever get Medea, Kayla Carr and Wonder Woman all in one (laughs) thought. (laughs) Uh, um, But I was like, yeah, let's, let's tell it from the children's point of view, because the mother is acting as the father to a lesser extent, but I think the father's motives are more clouded, but the Mm. mom is acting in a very pure,
1: purely emotional way. Um. Yeah. But also, and, thinking about it, and I've I, again, like, until reading this, it had never occurred to like, there, any production I've seen, the children are kind of a prop, you know, like they're just these adorable supernumeraries who don't speak, um, and just like pull at your heartstrings by how adorable and sweet they seem, um, and then you know they're off stage. <laughs> uh, but don't get too attached, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> but thinking about their perspective, they were with their mother. So they probably would have sided more with her in a, in a lot of ways up until the point of um, the the Denouement. Um, so so that's an interest again. Like I've I've never thought of it from their perspective. So it is a really interesting um, concept, and I thought again very well executed in my opinion on your part. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, there were a lot of things. There were there were a number of kind of issues of the day that I, I, I we sort of touched on in the script, but the one thing that I didn't want to touch on at all was any kind of issues with queer characters. Uh, I was sort of like, let's just gloss over that, shall we? Let's deal with man male versus female. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the inequity between uh, people who are white and people of color, but let's you know let's kind of gloss over the. Um, acceptance or non-acceptance of queer people in society. Mm. Was that something that you guys were like oh I wish there'd been something there or was it just kind of part of the world and we didn't care?
2: Yeah, I kind of appreciated that that you know I mean it they discusses that their relationships with you know the the town boys but you know they even talk about kind of the parents' feelings on that. And it it just is what it is. And I think that's so interesting. And like, I mean, it's sad to say, very progressive <laughs> for the time that like, wow, we don't have to necessarily talk about this. Um, there's more to the story, which I really liked.
1: Well, I also felt the fact that it wasn't coming from a Judeo-Christian mythos mm-hmm. made that make sense to me as well. Like there wasn't like, since these are, sort of witchy people (laughs) on both sides with like that experience of of mysticism and everything. I kind of don't, uh, I, I, I agree with Scott. Like I wouldn't have liked to have those kind of Judeo-Christian criteria placed upon this, not Judeo-Christian mythos. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm afraid to tell you this,
0: but (laughs) in the, in the sort of first drafts that Kelly and Matthew got, it was heavily implied that Nick and Nikki were just passing uh, uh, Charles and Patrick back and forth and not letting either of them know who they were with. (laughs) (laughs) That is actually very funny. (laughs) (laughs) And then I thought to myself, maybe a touch too far with the creepy twins. Let's dial that back. Just a touch. yeah. I, I have some other questions, but I actually, I, I want to see if they come up with the questions that you guys have for me. What, what can I answer?
1: I mean, my first question has already been answered. It was about Medea and I'm, I'm glad to know that it was intentional. <laughs> uh. I tried very hard to, yeah. I, I,
0: tragedy is fascinating. You know, we That's sort nice. of look at Greek tragedy as everything is as a, It's a classic, but there's only 33 that exist. Mm. So it's sort of like, is this actually any good? Um, You know, (laughs) we sort of go on the assumption that it is, but, you know, maybe it wasn't because I think Medea didn't win first place in the competition that it was put in. I think it was third or something like that. Sounds familiar. So it's sort of like, what else is out there? Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. I, so I, I just kind of wanted to play with the idea of um, you know, let's look at the story from from
1: somewhere else well, here's, um, here's a question I have for you um what was sort of the the chicken and the egg of um like th- this April event and this story like did you have this story and then the ev- the event fit with it or like were you thinking about the the, the earthquake and then, This idea came
0: Uh, out of that? So this the original genesis of The Cruelest Month was we were shifting kind of from the superhero portion of Mm -hmm. it into um, a narrative podcast. And we were looking for kind of a cohesive theme. Um, And Matthew uh, had this idea of, well, all of these terrible things happen in April. Let's see. You know what we can do with that and went mm-hmm. through and listed all of these events that had happened in April and we all we all he and I both took three events that we were we were interested in um, I took this because I love I, I've only visited San Francisco once but I love San Francisco mm-hmm. um, and the original idea for the script was actually going to be a rent boy and a client in San Francisco Hotel talking about kind of can we you know can we move somewhere and find some place that we can be together um, you know and what societal expectations are versus not and then of course at the end they were going to die um, crushed in the hotel because you know you can't, can't have a good drama without all drama ends, no what was it all fiction ends unhappily. That is the meaning of fiction. (laughs) Um, And I just couldn't make it work. Uh, And I happened to be, I think someone told me to watch the final season of Sabrina. And I thought, okay, magic. And then I was rereading Angel in Darkness and I was reading Wonder Woman and that's where kind of that came from. Um, And uh, originally... Originally, mother and father weren't even in it. The first draft was all just Nick and Mickey um, talking. Uh, and then it kind of, um, my, my marching orders from that draft for Kelly and Matthew were, um, you just did this with survivors, please bring in other characters. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't pull this off twice, sorry, John. And I was like, all right, that's fair. <laughs>
1: I did think those sequences added a lot, though. Like um, listening to it for the first time earlier today, um, I, I really, really, really got a lot from those. Um, Thank you. Parental scenes.
0: Yes, and I, I didn't want Grace and Mother to really fight about. I didn't want them to fight over a man. I wanted them to mm. both be very clear about what this is. This is a move for you know respectability and power versus this sort of out-of-control, passionate love affair that goes very badly.
1: Grace seemed like a very interesting character, although appears very briefly. Just like her her take on the whole situation was not what one would expect based on how she's kind of portrayed by the boys. Um, so I thought that relationship was interesting. There was, in a way, almost like a like a feminine camaraderie, even in spite of their, you know...
0: Yeah, I think oftentimes, I mean, uh, you know, not having—I I was born in 1907, not 1906, when this happened. Um, but I, I think that women often looked at marriage as a much more practical thing, rather than, you know, mm. it's it's odd because you know love stories are, are boundless and go back to the, the beginning of the written word, and yet love itself didn't really happen in marriage so often as Mm -hmm. I think people thought it did.
1: Sure. Um,
0: So yeah, I I wanted Grace to be as as practical about her relationships as possible.
1: Well, and also putting her in sort of like an upper-class background adds to that, I would say, whereas like the tradition, obviously, of marriage for convenience um, in the upper classes is also a timeless (laughs) concept.
0: Yes, when you're rich, you don't have to worry about love. And uh, now I've now I've alienated someone in the audience. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to pay a bunch of my bills today, and I'm very <laughs> I'm very upset about it. So, fair enough. Um, you know Scott, you said you had questions as well.
2: I did, and then as we were having that conversation, you really answered a lot of them. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I guess to to come back to it, my initial question is really what inspired this and we did talk about that more but you know did was the the media kind of the impetus for it or did that kind of develop as you were creating the piece
0: uh i think it developed as i was creating the piece it was one of those things that was in the back of my brain but um i think maybe second draft i thought why 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 would a mom do this. And then I thought, oh, of course, this is Medea, but from the children's point of view, and what would the children be thinking? Um, You know, teenagers, we, uh, I don't know if you've ever read Carrie, but one Mm. of the, again, going back to Stephen King.
1: um, I played Carrie.
0: Oh, you played Carrie. Wait, okay. (laughs) be kind rewind the musical or no
1: um, okay no when the musical was still not available um for licensing um a company uh produced a a version in new york starring the drag queen cherry vine Um, okay it was written by eric jackson um and uh, a company in philadelphia brat productions that i had worked with a few times did um sort of a a production of of that version which was intended for um a drag carry um and everyone everyone else was you know um was not gender uh switched or anything it was otherwise like that was it was sort of a way of highlighting the otherness i guess um and of course it was very funny and campy in ways that the musical also is whether or not it intends to be, um, but <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And I, I originally actually read Carrie for that role.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. So,
1: side oh, note, seen the film before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, which version? Sissy Spacek, Angela Bettis, yes. Sissy, uh, yeah. Sissy Spacek. Yeah, the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, side note, um, not that I would ever recommend this for anyone, but I. I got a hold of a bootleg of the closing night of the original musical version of Carrie. Um, and you've watched some I, YouTube videos on that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, the stuff between stuff. the mother and the daughter <laughs> yeah. is great.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah Betty Buckley. It's
0: brilliant. Yeah. And then I went to see the, the new, the revised version down at uh, the Lucille Lortel. I, I saw that as well. Yeah. That was so great. Um, now I can't remember. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. I got completely lost. I was lost in my carry world.
1: Carried <laughs> um, away.
0: Sorry. <laughs> i see myself out. Oh, no. <laughs> I love that. Um, but there's the line in the novel that says, you know, we were 17 and 18 years old doing the best we knew how. Um, but, you know, when you're 16, 17, 18, you react Emotionally, you don't sort of stop and think. Um, so that was, I think I'm going back to the original question. I'm not positive, but that's okay. Um, free form conversation. Right. Um, but that was the, the thought process of, you know, as I said, originally they were going to be seven and eight years old, but I thought a seven and eight year old are not going to be able to process this. They're just going to lie down on the ground and not be able to handle their rights being awful people
1: when you also highlight in the script the um sort of hormonal uh growth of the power um which now that you mention it like yeah like there is a huge carry element to this as well that hadn't occurred to me that's sort of like the time when people are so caught in their emotions and um and the sort of uh the power of that emotion and what if that uh, physically manifested itself mm-hmm. what would that look like i think um that's, that's just an interesting concept. Yeah.
0: Now you guys, uh, as I said, are amazing. Um, and I am just curious, um, cause there's a lot of times where these characters kind of switch back and one is pure emotion and one is pure intellect and then they switch back and forth and they finish each other's sentences and thoughts. Was that difficult to kind of find the through line there? I, it, it, I admit it was a a difficult thing sometimes writing it because I was like, wait, who, who is this? Are you Nick? Are you Nikki? Which one are you?
2: (laughs) I, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, it might've been in kind of creating the roadmap as you were writing, but once it was on the paper, um, I felt like it was really organic.
1: So I would say their voices remained distinct enough that even if they were in emotionally similar places at one time or another, they, they still felt so different. Like, yeah, I, I, I felt like um, Nicholas's voice was, was very specific.
0: Good. Well, uh, Nicholas, I tried to make it so that Nikki did not use contractions at all. And Mm. Nick did. I don't know if that worked and I think there were probably times where I was cutting and pasting lines late at night and I was like oh this will just work well they'll they'll make this work um uh so sort of um this is probably the closest that we have in this season to um, horror adjacent I don't I't don't, is this horror I'm not sure I mean yeah, yeah I would say it falls into that That realm. Yeah. Okay. Um, fantastical element. Yeah. Uh, do you all enjoy horror? Do you, do you,
1: do you like to be scared? I love horror. I love, I I I love horror as well. I, it does not usually scare me. I, I tend to only be scared by like true crime kind of things. Um, but stuff like fantastical stuff, unless, I mean, unless it's like a jump moment kind of thing. Um, I don't tend to actually be frightened by it, but I do enjoy it as an art form.
0: Favorite horror movies? Hmm. Well, I'm going to go with probably Carrie for mine. I I I might have a different answer in a few minutes. See, the most recent um, horror movies that I've
2: watched, which are sticking out of my head, are kind of um, like camp and horror, like uh, the Scream franchise, I absolutely love. I just think they're so genius. Even like the middle ones where they lost their footing a little bit. I was still completely on board. I was like, I love the camp. I love the horror. And
0: uh, yeah.
1: I really enjoy, I I also uh, am very drawn to the the campier elements. So um, one that that Scott and I watched recently was Bad Hair. um, Oh yeah. About a haunted weave. Um, which was just really like so so unique, so so funny, at times unsettling, <laughs> you know. Um, and also like you know, it had it had a commentary to it. Um, I do love you know uh, Jordan Peele's over and what he does with um, with horror and the the sort of allegorical social commentaries he makes. I, I've really been struck with in the past few years. Um, So I'd say those are some of my favorites.
0: Yeah. Um, I think horror, uh, I think horror allows us to make some of those social commentaries in a way that seems not preachy and not Mm. threatening. Mm -hmm. Um, Which was frankly a little bit of a fear, especially in that conversation that the mother and the father have. I was like, Oh, am I preaching to the converted where, you know, but then I thought we're in a different time. I'm just going to go with it and, and do this. Um, but uh, now I'm now I'm thinking five years from now is this going to be like performed in some campy in some campy drag theater <laughs> somewhere?
2: Oh, so fun! I hope so. <laughs> well, actually, that was good. That leads into one of my other questions. Was I, I was just curious if you had any other plans with
0: this piece? Um not that I'm aware of I it's it would be something that I think would be really interesting to see Um, and there are certain things and again this kind of goes back to the very first question which is one of the reasons that I sort of like to step back as much as possible is if it were up to me I would be rewriting I would have like heard this version and then like okay You guys are amazing. I screwed you on this line and this line. So I'm going to fix this right now.
1: (laughs) I know that feeling as well.
0: (laughs) How how often, you know, how late in the process can you like send another script? I think I skimmed you guys a script revision, like literally the day before we were going to record.
1: That sounds right. But I've like in my podcast project, I've, you know, we've done pickups for things, um, but that was also like a, a serial. So there were mm-hmm. continuity things where, like, it, uh, you know, things that I wrote in episode one weren't yet developed in the, the world building even at that point. So it's just like having to go back and, and put in corrections later. Mm-hmm. But fortunately that is a possibility in the podcasting world.
0: <laughs> True. So now Scott, do you want
1: to, do you want to,
0: play Nikki in a, in a stage production. Is that what I'm um, hearing? Is that we need I to mean, raise the money somehow? I mean,
2: I wouldn't say no.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and with, with my producer hat on though, I was like just thinking how amazing it would be to see something like this cinematically
0: and how much money it would cost. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I also want to say um, that opening song. God, I was I was really creepy. I was listening to it while I was trying to write some work emails and I just was like, okay, this is uncomfortable. Gonna just sort of lower the volume a little bit.
2: I would thank Eric for that one. I um I'm not much of a singer, but I just matched his pitch. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm a trained opera singer, so that's not what I was doing. Okay. <laughs> I'm also not a 16-year-old, so I was trying to evoke creepy 16-year-old as much as possible. (laughs) Um, Thinking about what they were doing as I was, you know, squawking that out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was, it was lovely and it was weird and and strange and really kind of, kind of freaky. So I enjoyed it. Um, What, let me see, is there anything that I haven't answered? I, I normally do this backwards and ask you guys a bunch of questions, but um, I'm really fascinated with this one because this is much less straightforward than the other two pieces were. Mm. Um, and the, the sort of with the other two, one was very straightforward, um, sad piece, and the other one was a sitcom. Um, not sure why I, I was like, let's go with horror for the last one. <laughs> but I did. I did go with horror. Um so when you guys were sort of looking at um, looking at the relationship between these two people, did you to talk about it at all? Did you talk about how they reacted with each other and how they functioned with each other? Or was it just kind of like, I'm going to go with the flow and with whatever the other person kind of gives me to play with? Um, was it I something, don't... you know, because I, you guys know each other. Um, so, uh, you know, with most of the other actors, they're sort of either all over the country or in other, you know, not, you know, they don't know each other. So did you,
1: was that something that you guys were like, Oh, I'm so glad. So we had this prep. (laughs) (laughs) We did rehearse together, but I don't remember like really having a conversation Aside from, like, broad theme-wise, I I don't remember having a character conversation. I feel like we both sort of had our own takes that we came in with and kind of stuck with. Yeah,
2: and I also think, I mean, this is a testament, obviously, to the writing, but it it, the relationship is really there. Um, And it is. It's very brotherly, and, you know, they get on each other's nerves, but it's snappy, and it's... um, you could tell that they care about each other, even though they obviously spend a whole lot of time together. And sometimes, you know, they are at each other's throats, but yeah, I mean, it was really a lot for me was just kind of like, um, you know, listening and taking in as much as you can in like the, in this like voiceover world. So
1: yeah, yeah. there is Um, yeah, just a lot of information in the dialogue, for instance, sort of the relationships with, with their men, and how there seems to be sort of a, a sadism uh, in Nicholas uh, and perhaps more of a, a masochism in Nicodemus. Because um, he does seem to take a lot <laughs> mm. from his brother, let alone whatever else is going on in his life.
0: Yeah, I, I you know... Um very lightly. It wasn't something that I was going to go into with 16-year-olds regardless of time period or regardless of the fact that everyone is within a year of each other. There's no, um, you know, there's nothing untoward. There's no abuse going on there just so everybody is very clear about where I was coming from. Everybody who's listening is is very much where I'm coming from. Um, But there was this idea that I wanted to lightly touch on of um, how different intimacy can be. Sometimes it's sex and sometimes it's making love and sometimes it's something beautiful and lovely and and sometimes it's very, very crude and animalistic and and however, you know, I'm trying to avoid swearing. Um, I'm trying to be a better person. (laughs) Um, not that
1: you're a bad person if you swear I was going to say are those connected I I must be horrible (laughs) no
0: but I think my sister (laughs) listens to this so I'm trying to make sure that I'm I'm as uh, (laughs) I'm as uncrass as possible Um, uh, a question that I was going to ask Kelly but he's not here so I'm going to ask you guys did he actually say um, did he just hand did he just email the script and say uh, pick which one or did he say, <laughs> I want you for this one, you for this one? Or were there was there an instance where you were like, oh, I kind of want to... I, I had done that in college before. I, I, did, um, I did a play in college. And I somehow ended up not in this comedic thing. And I kept going, oh, I really wish I was the funny one <laughs> in this play.
2: <laughs> no, we were, we were cast... And neither of us complained. So,
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, I I'm more drawn to to Nicholas. I'm more drawn to who I played to whom I played. Um, but we've we've worked with Kelly before, and I think he he had a good idea of
2: um, who which role would suit which actor better.
0: Okay, uh, that's good.
1: Um, and I'm I, uh, although he's not here, I I would like to just personally thank him for casting me to play a 16-year-old when I am very, very far. <laughs> I am actually redacted years old. So <laughs> uh,
0: You can't see them right now, but they're both as fresh as daisies.
1: It? it looks yes. lovely. Pushing daisies.
0: It's these cheekbones. <laughs> Everything hangs off these cheekbones.
1: Right. Um, the filter.
0: Yes. Uh, so, um, actually, let's kind of veer into a, a very kind of Let's take a let's take a hard left turn here, um, which I kind of have a which I have a question about because it could easily have gone this way. Um, we are all I, I identify as a queer person. Uh, I believe you guys are on the the LGBTQIA plus spectrum.
2: We're, we're uh, a couple. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, we, we're dating. <laughs> I knew that. I just didn't know. You <laughs> yeah, know. I'm fine. like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say, what I'm yeah, not supposed I'm to not say. So it. I <laughs> can see the pride flag in, in the background. Right? So, <laughs> yes. um, but this could easily have kind of tipped over into a camp type of thing. Was that ever a discussion that you guys had? Because, you know, we all obviously have. Uh, I don't know if it's cultural. I don't know if it's. Um, uh some sort of queer sensibility, but you know, we do, and you guys talked about it with horror, you know, we, we mm-hmm. do love our our camp with horror. Was there ever sort of a, a thought process of, we could make this really funny?
1: We never discussed that, um, but a- again, like I think that would have been just a very easy switch of, of it, you know, because this kind of camp is, Exaggerating the truth of it, it's not you know like poking fun at it. So um, we we leaned in as far as we did, and were directed to continue in that direction. And I, I think that's sort of just where where things landed. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think also finding the the truth in it, you know, brings out the comedic elements. It's if you're playing it up, it's never. It's never as genuine.
0: Yeah, I I just I it's it's interesting because the kind of bookend pieces were for me were this and survivors, both of which um I kind of specifically said to Kelly, Hey, can you please cast queer actors in the role in the in the, the roles? Um hmm. and the middle one uh uh we have a, a, a gay couple, one of whom one of the actors is queer, one of the actors is not. Um, But there was something specifically about survivors which dealt with the AIDS crisis and something specifically about this, where I was like, I think there is some sensibility in there, Um, which kind of leads to that Harvey Firestein question. Uh, I think he was, you know, very early on in his career was kind of, you know, talking about what is the gay sensibility Um, and... I, I I was just I guess I was just wondering if 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 it it was important to you guys the way that it was important to me that there be queer actors playing these parts. Did that make sense? That was a very rambling, weird question. This is why I write things and I don't speak for a living. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, that makes sense. I mean I think that speaks to a an issue that is kind of very relevant in the entertainment industry currently, which mm-hmm. I don't know if we're opening up that can of worms, but <laughs> you know, should a, should queer characters play queer roles and should you know, straight identifying actors only play? You know what?
0: We can, we can open that can of worms. I am happy to open that can of worms. Um, but I'll let you guys speak on that first before I do because <laughs> uh, I've I don't want to get into politics, but I was in a fury all weekend over something else. So before I get into any kind of thing about this, I'll let you guys answer that question. Oof.
2: Um, okay, I guess I will go first. I mean, in my opinion, I don't necessarily think that it's of the utmost importance. Um, but I, I also am kind of hypocritical in that sometimes I'm like, no, I, you know, that I, I do feel like this particular character should be played by a queer person. Um, I was reading like an article about that. Not the, not love Simon, the movie, the the TV show that's based off of the movie and love Victor, love Love Victor. Victor, Yeah. And I think one or two of the main actors are Mm -hmm. straight playing queer identifying roles. And, you know, it's being, celebrated as a, a queer show but with two straight leads and I don't know I find the whole situation uh, very interesting and I, I don't know if I have like a set opinion on it now if people are gonna come for me I, if they're listening to
1: this I don't know yeah for me it's it's one of those sort of like the like how that judge defined porn like, I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I see it. Like, that's kind of how I feel about the situation. Like, there, there are some instances where it feels like an incursion. And there are some instances where I, I don't mind. Um, And obviously, there are, like, places where it goes into parody. And that, that's obviously very uncomfortable. Um, But I don't want to name instances. <laughs> I'm going to be cagey.
0: Um, yeah, I think I'm, I think maybe because I'm older, I think I'm a little more hardcore on this. Obviously in a perfect world, any actor should be able to play any part, Um, but I don't think it's a one-on-one situation. I think that there are queer identified actors. So you have someone like a Billy Porter, who's a genius. Um, And then on the other hand, but you know, is not necessarily going to, you're not necessarily going to buy that he is a womanizer on screen. Not that he couldn't do it, but, Mm. um, you know, and then on the other hand, you have someone like Matt Bomer, who's equally talented as as an actor, and yet he gets to go in for auditions. And that obviously brings in a whole other plate of potatoes about people of color versus Mm -hmm. white actors and characters and all of that. Um, But... And I should note these opinions expressed in this evening's episode of The Cruelest Month <laughs> are the opinions only of the people who express them and not necessarily the opinions of the podcast, April is the Cruelest Month, or any of the producers. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I think it, it's if it was a one-on-one, it's, it's not an equal equation. And right, so that's sure. why I sometimes um, don't always... Uh, it's why I it's why I think I'm uncomfortable more often than not Mm. with it. There also seems to be this unfair thing of, well, if it's a queer actor playing a straight character, I can't buy it. And yet somehow I can buy a straight actor playing a queer character. And it's right. um, Yeah. Am I just, am I just being judgmental?
1: No, no. I like, I, I would say, like you said, you probably feel this way because you're older. I feel like people younger than me um, tend to be more hardline on this, on this kind of thing. Um, And I would say increasingly it does bother me. Um, Like I, I said, like, you know, it's a case by case basis for me, but those cases are more and more falling in the, um, in in the uncomfortable category um, with that kind of thing. Just now that like, I think Maybe it was when um oh God, what's his name from uh the Versace show oh Darren, Darren Chris. Chris Darren Chris when Darren Chris like s- sort of said like I'm not gonna do this anymore that's when I was like, oh <laughs> hmm.
0: well i also I think um uh you know again, showing my age, but I remember when there were uh, large publishing houses that would only publish queer books through a specific imprint. And there mm-hmm. were actors who were like, you know, I think now an actor can make a living being an openly queer actor in an openly mm-hmm. queer part, you know, it, it being, you know, make a living as an open queer actor playing queer roles. And that couldn't happen 10 years ago. And and now, you know, we have 20 years ago and now we have, you know, major publishing houses who are like, well, we don't, you know, we don't, we close down those imprints because we don't need them anymore. You know, there was at one point yeah. St. Martin's had Stonewall Press and um, uh, Simon & Schuster had Kensington and now those have been absorbed. And
1: I mean, this, this is actually um, bringing up something I, I saw in the news like an hour ago that um, Mercedes Lackey's like Magic's Pawn, et cetera, series mm-hmm. is, is being made into a, TV show i think um I don't know if it was oh, a movie wow. series or a TV show um it was on deadline and that was when i was a queer teen in redacted ad bce <laughs> 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 um that was like the first queer themed like queer protagonist vaniel was the first queer protagonist i had ever read and certainly in the fantasy genre so like at that time I already wanted to be an actor, but I also thought I would have to be a closeted actor if I was ever going to be in the kind of work that I wanted to do. And as it turns out, as a queer actor and writer, I have had more success leaning into that, where like my most successful written work is an opera about grinder, <laughs> Whereas like, you know, 15 year old me, would have been horrified at the concept of, you know, the public being aware of these, these feelings going on inside me. Sure. Um, But now we have like that a studio would put forth the amount of money that it would take to make a fantasy series or movie. I I didn't, I I don't retain (laughs) which (laughs) it's going to be, but to, to, you know, to put that kind of money into a production that with a queer protagonist in that genre is wild to me. I never would have dreamed that.
0: Yeah. I actually think that series was the first series that I read. I was working in a bookstore at the time, and I think that series was the first series I read with, with gay people in it. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, we exist. Right. Not just me. <laughs> and uh, in other worlds <laughs> with yes. magic.
2: This was a, a film or a TV show?
1: Sorry. I need to be, this ed- will ed- be a film. <laughs> this will be a film or TV show. It was a, it was a book series. It was a book series. Gotcha. A Mercedes Lackey, yeah. I still have it. You can borrow it.
0: Okay. Thanks.
2: (laughs) Whenever he teaches me something about queer culture, we call it my education. Okay.
0: Okay. I like that. Very good. Uh, actually I remember, so I am, uh, over 50 and I remember I was working with somebody who was 24, 25. Um, and I remember having to explain, um, I remember having to explain like why he should know whatever happens to baby Jane and why he should know who Tennessee Williams was and why he should know Betty Davis in general. He was like, I don't get it. What does this have to do with being gay? And I was like, Oh no, what is, what, how are we not passing this on? This is just such a part of, of, you know, sort of, Growing up when we couldn't say, hundred percent.
1: I've I've talked about this with a lot of my my gay friends who came up in the time in the time before. (laughs) Um, That like obviously like the the level of like public and legal acceptance that we've reached is incredible. And again, like stuff that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. But I do miss a lot of the sort of cultural things that were like you would sort of like be able to assume at a certain point that you would have these these things in common and it was often camp and sometimes horror and sometimes uh a ton of of melodrama and and film noir kind of stuff like these were just you know like of course you would know these things and i'm you know like uh, i came out very early like i was sort of like on the younger end of this even in my friend group but um but I, I just, I don't know. I, I miss being able to like presume those bonds when I meet someone. Yeah. Um, Not that uh, I would trade those for the level of acceptance. No. <laughs> marriage rights and everything. And it's great. Like, it's incredible. And, and watching like the younger generation, uh, generations than myself at this point, um, like on TikTok is wild. Like, Mm -hmm. just, like, I don't know, like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just, like, a a world I never thought I'd see, this, like, the level of, like, acceptance of, like, pansexuality, gender nonconformity. Right, there's um, an openness to it. Yeah. Asexuals, like, things that we never even talked about in the redacted years. Yeah. Um Wow!
0: From creepy, creepy twins in the San Francisco earthquake to um, thoughts on uh, (laughs) gay actors, acceptance, uh, queer actors, and um, Betty Davis and Betty Davis in camp. (laughs) Yeah, that really took a turn. (laughs) Not sure how we get, but that's what happens when you have a free form conversation. Okay, wait, Scott, (laughs) you do know who Betty Davis is?
2: I do know who Betty Davis is. Okay,
0: favorite (laughs) Betty Davis movie?
2: I mean, probably whatever happened to Baby Jane? Okay. All right. I mean, I don't not, know much more than that. Gotta be honest. Wait, wait. Hold I watched. On. I watched the feud. Wait. Have you?
0: You've never seen All About Eve?
1: No. <gasps> okay. I, think I'm I just it, saw that. I'm adding streaming. it to the list. Yeah, I think I just saw that's free streaming on Amazon or somewhere. So.
0: Okay. So I'll tell you what. If you don't mind, we'll have a um, happy hour drinking party. Oh, to totally. I am yes. totally down to do that all about Eve. Um, uh, side note, it was very easy for me to come out to my parents because I was like 12 years old, taping that movie on VHS um, during like the <laughs> afternoon movie. So it was not a difficult stretch for, for me to come out to my parents. <laughs> I was very, very lucky. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you about my,
2: my story on a different podcast. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> or during that happy hour. Yeah, okay.
0: exactly. <laughs> Everything's better with a glass of wine in your hand. Mm. That's right. Um, I probably shouldn't say that. I feel like I'm encouraging people to drink, but yeah. go for it. Um, okay. I'm so sorry. I really took us in some, into some new- Encouraging people
1: places. to drink is my brand, so like I'm on <laughs> board with it. Right. <laughs>
0: um, but again, uh, I just want to say thank you guys so much. You, you're, y'all you are amazing. It was really wonderful to hear it.
2: Thank you. You were wonderful it was fun. and amazing.
0: Yes, I you. agree. I I hope you guys had a good time uh, recording Um, and thank you so much to Scott Bryden and Eric Ransom for joining us on uh, this episode of pick apart for the earth is quake. The earth will quake. Uh, If you have not listened to that episode um, once you're finished with this, go back and listen to it. Um, And we want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, So stay tuned. We have, uh, in three weeks, the um, newest episode of the cruelest month. Uh, so don't forget to join us as we explore some pretty amazing things. Uh, my name is John Petrie uh, and next the next episode will be Matthew Klein's, which you will absolutely love. Um, and we will talk to you all soon. Stay safe and stay healthy.